It's October, the monthiest month. Wendy recalls her harassment with a whole lot of cursing. Content warning. And we discuss our biases and why is Devo awesome. All this and more on The Leftscape. Wendy Sheridan, and you're listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hello, this is Robin Renee. Hi, this is Mary McGinley. We're going to start today with talking about it's a new month, and there's lots of things going on this month. It's like such an amazing month of so many different topics that we can't do them all. So we're just going to do a few, and we'll save some for next week. Uh, First of all, it's Dyslexia Awareness Month. And it's Feral Hog Month, because we can't miss out on those feral hogs. Uh, <laughs> it's also Family Sexuality Education Month, which I think is an important uh, topic. And Self-Promotion Month, which, which some of us have to learn how to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> WendyCards.com. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and this Where is the one. Is Right. This is one I like a lot. It's Vegetarian Month, so maybe I will learn some new recipes. It is LGBT History Month, Emotional Intelligence Month, and one that is close to my heart, Squirrel Awareness Month. And I am very aware of squirrels because people on the Internet have found out that I like them, and they send me lots of squirrel pictures and gifts and things like that. Squirrels are very photogenic. Yes, they are. (laughs) And it's also Bat Appreciation Month. It's, Yay, Bat! And it's also and it's it's World Menopause Month in October. So uh, so everybody gets to be in menopause this month. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> what World Menopause Month is, but I just think it's hilarious. Um, it's embracing your power as a crone. Okay, <laughs> that sounds way more serious than I want it to be. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to all of uh, my friends who are complaining because they are either starting menopause or in it. And I, I feel I feel you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is also International Drum Month, which I think is awesome. And most importantly, it is Sarcasm Month. Yeah, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many months, so many uh things this month that that you're supposed to be aware of or appreciate uh we're going to post the ridiculously long list on our website which is leftscape.com so please go look at it and be amazed uh i think october is the monthiest month (laughs) the monthiest month of all the months i'm I'm just wondering (laughs) what is it about october that it made everybody want to be appreciated in october well there's a lot of food so it, it could also yeah. be related it's harvest. to harvest. harvest. I don't yeah. know. But other yeah. than that, I don't and know. That, and everything we mentioned had nothing to do with food, except for, well, feral hogs could be food, except they would be vegetarian. Yeah, but I mean, the other oh, yeah, ones is like, I think it's kale appreciation and American cheese month and, you know, stuff like that. And, and okay, apples. Okay, don't go into that. Save that <laughs> I'll do it all. I'll do it all. Show. All right, all right. 
And there are also weeks this week. Uh, it is customer service week. And I'm not doing my customer service job right now, but uh, let's see. It's also World Dairy Expo. I guess that makes sense. And National Storytelling Weekend. And I think storytelling should get more than a weekend. It should get an entire week because it's pretty important storytelling. And it's Get Organized Week. So That's a good one. It needs to be longer than a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but and I don't quite understand this because why would the first week of um, October be a get organized week? I should think that would be the first week of January, when when all the stores of... are selling, uh, you know, office supplies. Yeah, but it's you know the beginning of the school year. Um... Well, then September. I. But I think every week should be Get Organized Week, or at least the first yes, week of every month true. be Organized yes. Week. But Okay. Well, so who's what, telling us days? Somebody's talking about days, I right? think it was you. I, I think it's you. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll continue then. It's National Techies Day. Yay. And National Walk to School Day, which makes me wonder, what did you do back in September to get to school if you didn't walk? Uh, <laughs> First Wednesday in October is also National Kale Day. That is um, a great day. I love kale. <laughs> I like kale too. I like that kale salad that I made, the lemony kale salad. My nephew won't touch it. So <laughs> I can't I can't bring it for I like kale for, chips because um, they're nice and salty and crunchy. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. What Good. happened on this day in history? Well wait, you you missed National One Hit Wonder Day. Well, so, actually, the day that we are recording is National One Hit Wonder oh, Day. Oh, okay. And, and I, you missed National One Hit Wonder Day. And when I discovered that, I thought, oh, boy, I'm going to spend the rest of the day on Twitter watching all the songs that people are posting. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. so on this day in 1995, when we post the show, uh, is the day that O.J. Simpson got acquitted. Um and, it, mm. and in 1952, the United Kingdom tested their first atomic bomb. I didn't know they did that. Oh, yeah. All of the nuclear powers, that's how they kind of announced that they are a nuclear power. Like, hey, we blew up a bomb. We can kill you now. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, boy. And in 1932, Iraq gained independence from the United Kingdom. And in 1863... <clears throat> President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed the last Thursday of November as Thanksgiving Day. And that was a surprise to me when I found this out because... Yeah, I didn't know that why? he was that. Yeah, I didn't know I that did. Thanksgiving was a, a presidential proclamation and that Lincoln did it. So that was just a little weird for me. So, And we want to say happy birthday to a few people. Happy birthday to Gwen Stefani, Al Sharpton, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, Gore Vidal, India Ari, Ashley Simpson, and Jake Spears of the Scissor Sisters. So to those who are with us, happy birthday. To those who are no longer with us, we honor you on this day. Lots going on. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, there's a lot with the Kavanaugh allegations. I think there are just... Uh, we're at the beginning of an avalanche or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, more yeah. and more women are coming forward. I think the count 
as of this morning when we're recording this is four. Uh, mm. Four women have, have come forward and, and uh, the lawyer Avenatti is kind of uh, taking them all on. And I had read there's some other lawyer who's also joining um, the, uh, the women um, who's a, who they're saying is a real bulldog. And, and uh, I can't remember his name, but he quit. Well, he quit his job at, at his partnership because they didn't want what he's doing to taint their, their business. So he like left his law firm and he's working with these people. So that's, well, that's good. I like that Avenatti got involved too, because he's, he's uh, like a bull terrier. He jumps in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some other and stuff. he gets a lot of press. It's there's other things as well as as uh, as the the sexual misconduct allegations um, that I have been reading about. Uh, there's a lot of really sketchy financial stuff oh, in yeah. Kavanaugh's background, and it's like that shit should have disqualified him from the get go. You know, I mean, he yeah. his salary is not he's not making enough money to 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 the uh, country to club. pay for all of the stuff he ha- you know like like the his kids private school and the country club he's joined and and uh you know all this other stuff and it's just so it's like this huge cesspool of of stuff and then there was that yale law school letter that was floating around um mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys saw that uh yeah was written i guess it was written by the yale law students and and it's also and signed by like a, like a lot of people who went to Yale and who aren't at Yale like right now. So um, hundreds. Yeah. Um, they they don't want him representing them. No. <laughs> and and they I think they wanted the university to kind of like get involved and Back say off. we don't we don't <laughs> we don't endorse this man. Um, but I guess I guess they're just the the university should probably if they really don't want to just piss off potential donors they should just keep their mouths shut I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and what what boils down to to me too is the whole fact that he it's already been proven that he's lied under oath, and that that just gets totally ignored. That there are several things that he lied under oath about, and that seems to me that that's. You know, why are they ignoring that? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, you know why they're ignoring all of this. You know, they, they yeah. didn't even want to ask him any questions. They wanted to do, you know, some sort of uh, uh, rubber stamp um, questioning and then just confirm the guy. Because I, I, it's like the stuff I've read, he doesn't, he shouldn't even be on the district court. You know, he, he should not yeah. be a jurist from if if the things that i've read are true the man should not be a jurist in any way not it's especially not the supreme court so i don't know um and then and then of course the the hashtag why i didn't report got started this week and that has uh, been a really really powerful response oh well, it's it's been it's it's had a, a personal impact on me because I am I have now I have now dredged up memories I haven't been thinking about in over thirty years, you know, um, you know, shit that happened to me when I was nine, 
<laughs> that that doesn't really have an impact on my life right now because it but it you know like why it's just like wow i have to i have to remember all this shit now and um it's been kind of really depressing <laughs> yeah i mean i have something that i've been every time i see someone write hashtag why i didn't report i want to talk about why i didn't report and i'm i don't know it's hard to want it's hard to want to uncover those things and talk about them and i feel like it will bring up judgments toward me that i don't want and it's just crazy i mean these are the reasons why we don't talk about it right yeah you know yeah yeah it's, it's, it seems to me like most women have something like that. I, I I think it's more unusual to find a woman that doesn't have something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, and yet, it's not like uh, people. Uh, some of the Republicans were saying, "Well, uh, if I if every man who ever did this got got um, blamed for it, then then." It would be everybody, you know, and, and there yeah. wouldn't be anybody. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And there would be no more men in but Congress, really and I would think, think that? that's a good thing. I think every con- uh, I bet you every congressman has something. I don't know. I mean, it's well, like where confronting the issue is them. important, right? So where do you if, draw the line? Where do you draw the line? But, is somebody grabbing your ass in at work? Is somebody grabbing your tit at work? You know what? You no, know, is that is that like you shouldn't you shouldn't work anymore? That's I guess that's the question. It's but the no, thing is they don't even question, admit it. Yeah. You know? my, my point is it's not all men. I mean, it, it's a lot of men, but it's not all men. Well, you know, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I could never picture my husband doing that. I I understand what you're saying, and I think the issue is for all men, especially, and all people generally, to really look at and understand the issue of sexism mm-hmm. and disparity and and misogyny and, and all of that. So I don't know. I don't think it's about blaming the individuals as much as it is looking at the cultural problem. And yes, people aren't doing that, problem. you know. So. Feeling, yeah, you know, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree that it's not all men are grabbing women, but are they? If they, if have they stopped somebody? Have they spoken out? Have they? You know, if they're in a, if they're in a room and there, you know, there aren't women in the room and people are shit talking women. Do they? Do they? Uh, do they say something? You know, it's it's the same kind of thing where if. Let's say it's a whole room of like white people and somebody comes out with some horrible racist thing and and there's a lot of nervous laughter, but nobody calls them out. It's like if you're not Mm. calling them out, if you're not getting in their faces and stopping it when it's happening, you're complicit. Mm. You know, Um, right. So it it really is everybody's issue. That's that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you really if you're. If you're one of these men that's like, it's not me, it's not me. Well, I mean, are you actually actively, you know, uh, are are you are you one of the good guys? And one of the good guys means that, you know, you say, no, it's not right to, you know, don't harass, you know, don't make those comments to your waitress when she's trying to serve you food. You know, don't don't do that. You're, or like kicking a guy under the table and saying, dude, that's not cool. You know, mm. um, and there was a... 
There was a post on Facebook that I read yesterday that was um, was a woman and she's sitting at, and she had she was coming home from a conference and she's at the airport with one of the other conference people and they and I forget what the topic of the conference was. Um, but a guy was sitting across from them and then he engaged this woman in conversation and or, or he started talking at her basically and he didn't agree with her positions and stuff and and the guy right when the dude was like his his flight got called and then the guy who's sitting next to him pointed out to this guy that he wasted this opportunity because there was this expert sitting right across from him and he didn't take the opportunity to leap to learn anything he just like spoke his his ignorant shit at her for you know 20 minutes and then suddenly the guy goes the 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 jerk goes oh well please teach me i want to learn and it's like you know you got five minutes before your plane leaves and and the man took over and he said no dude you lost your opportunity go go catch your flight have a nice life um and and she reacted her her reaction to that was one of of relief because he took over the emotional labor and you know um and it's not like he he wanted she wanted to give him like backpats for being a white knight or anything like that and uh uh i'm paraphrasing all of this but it's like she was very appreciative that another man like just stood up and told this guy you know you 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 missed it an opportunity and um and so these, so the men who are, who are, it's on you guys. It's on you men who say that you're not, you're not one of the bad ones. You have to, you have to keep the rest of your people in line. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, um, if you're not going to, if you're not that kind of a person, I'll just keep talking to you guys. Shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> It's important uh, well, stuff, though, and I, I, yeah. I, I appreciate it. And just shifting the, the perspective. I mean, that guy just said he didn't necessarily say, look, you're an asshole, you idiot, or whatever. He said, you missed an opportunity. Look at what happened here. And yeah. I think that's yeah. a deeper message. It know? is. Yeah. It is. I mean, the, the guy who, yeah. was, who, was, who, was, who had missed the opportunity realized after a man explained to him that he did. And he goes, oh, wow, I really did. And now, you know, and I guess he maybe felt bad, but, you know, it's too late because that window was closed. Yeah, but next time he might react differently. And that's yeah. good. But, Hopefully. Uh, you know, we can only hope. And, it's, and I guess one of the other things, a lot of the, the stuff that happened in my life, for example, um, that I didn't report is because, you know, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't penetration. It was, uh, it was harassment. It was, it was stuff that, you know, you get grabbed or, or, or somebody makes these really horrible comments to you and, and creates a hostile work environment, which now is actionable, but yeah, that's a big, a big hassle to do. Um, but it's, you know, and no, I don't think that people necessarily need to lose their job for, um, you know, one ass grab, for example, unless it's a fucking pattern, you know. Um, but then again, you know, there's the argument. It's like I managed to go through a 30 some year career without grabbing anybody's ass. It's perfectly possible to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, and. Yeah. It, and and it's and it's I was in a, an office setting with you know in a technology company and I was a I was a, a techie and and it's 
it's not the kind of thing that you expect to get your ass grabbed. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that not that I would expect to get my ass grabbed in any other line of work, but um, you know, but that's another one of those victim blaming things. Like, oh yeah, waitresses, they're tavern wenches, they're going to get their asses grabbed. Um, but that's not what should happen. And it's see, it's like that's how society programs us with thinking mm-hmm. that that those kind of jobs have more risk of ass grabbing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're reminding me of when I was young, I worked as a model at like um, the convention centers for for um, companies. There was this one particular company uh, that made photographic equipment and I had to hand out um, uh, literature and, and there were salesmen that I had to work with and everything. And we would go out to dinner afterwards and they were always very respectful. I never had any trouble. Isn't that weird that that would be a job where I would think that I would have some trouble. Whereas, uh, being a techie, you'd think you wouldn't. And it seems to be the opposite. Well, no, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I, I used to get, uh, when I was in college at the computer lab late at night, um, there were, this is like this is shit I haven't thought about since you know years ago. Um, there was this one guy who would touch himself when he solved a problem. He sat two te- two two computers over for me. That was fun. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. it was he would like jerk off a little bit every time. It's like oh I got a good. That's <laughs> like yay I'm rewarding myself for solving this question. Um, and then and then there was the other one who would just come in and and sneak up behind me and grab my tits. And, you know, like, what the fuck? I'm trying to do my homework. I'm at a computer. We don't have computers at home. Nobody had laptops yet. And, you know, that's the kind of shit. And apparently it was even worse in the mechanical engineering department, um, which I talked to some women there at at school. And and I don't understand what the fuck that was all about. Uh, and and then and then all of this. Um, why it, didn't feels, I it feels to me like it's in in fields where women are less common. Yeah, they they were sort of putting you in your place in a weird way. Is that you know? what that was? But I went up. I went started looking up people online to see where they've ended up, and they're like you know very wealthy, powerful people now, and it's really annoying yeah. me. Um, yeah, one of the people who <laughs> most harassed me at at in college at Rutgers is very famous now. He's a he's a well-known author. And when I see things about him, I just, yeah. it makes me want to scream. <laughs> uh, see, so, so like, that's the thing. It's like, I know there's this whole argument against, oh, well, these, these little, these little indiscretions, you can't see my air quotes, these little indiscretions that that are happening or that have happened, you know, decades ago. Why should these people like lose their career or have it affect their career and this and that? But you know what? It's it, they've affected my career. So fuck you. You know, it's like, maybe maybe you should yeah. suffer for 10 minutes, you know, um, because you've fucked up shit in my head for a long time. Yeah, I guess I have know. a lot of anger I need to express. <laughs> I have a lot of, I have a lot about that, but that's the thing. This is the news. Is this is what it's bringing up now? And uh, 
All right. It's important. All right. I'm gonna ra- I'm gonna wrap this up. Yeah. I could rant. I could rant for hours, and you guys don't want to hear this. And I'm sure our listeners mm-hmm. don't. Um, there are 34 days left till election day. You've got to go vote. Yes. <laughs> vote the vote assholes out. Vote the assholes out. Please, 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 please. Yeah. <laughs> and check out votesaveamerica.com. It's a great resource. You can check to make sure that you're registered. I just did that to make sure everything was in order. And, uh, you know, you can get other people registered. It will show you how to, uh, where you can go to help out the most in this election too. So it's a really good resource. So a couple episodes ago, we were talking about when things blow up on Facebook and um, some of our the idea of our own biases and how that affects what we say and how people respond to us um, came up. So I thought that was an interesting topic to expand on. Um, Wendy had some things to say about biases of her own, and I've been thinking about a lot of mine, too. Okay. Yeah, Uh, I've been thinking about it, too. And uh, and it actually kind of dovetails with um, the, my rants during the news of the week and the uh, why I didn't report hashtag stuff um, because the things that were blowing up on Facebook always seem to revolve around me posting a meme that blamed all men for you know it, it didn't it didn't it didn't carve out that niche of the good guys that don't do these things and and people, uh, this one particular guy and, and this other woman who would, who would jump in also would be very uh, vociferous about objecting to that. And then, there, and then it would just devolve into some screaming match amongst my friends. But, um, but I think maybe in some roundabout way, they were trying to point out that, you know, maybe I have a bias against men and um and i think you know and i think i admitted that i did uh and and if you think about it um you know there's the the default you can't you know since there are a certain number of men who will give you a bad time in one way or another uh up to and including killing you um (laughs) that you know, when you meet a random man, you have to then determine which category they go in. Is this guy safe or is he is he going to like yell at me if I, you know, you, you know, you, you know, that's what that's where that's, you know, so you have this. Um, and that's why I think I came up with that driving analogy. You know, when you're driving, you you think you, you don't assume that all the drivers next are surrounding you on the highway are going to be safe. You drive defensively. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how women have to exist in the world. And that, at least that's mm-hmm. from my perspective. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that gives me a bias against men. Um, and, and I think, too, that what jumps in there, though, too, if I can jump in, yeah. is that <laughs> you you have lived your life as a particularly beautiful woman in a field that there are not a lot of women. Well, thank and you. I, I did not, I never really considered myself beautiful. <laughs> so thanks for that. Uh, but yeah, okay. Um, but that doesn't excuse them <laughs> from that. No, you know? but, it's, but it's just that you attract them. You know, you <laughs> oh, att- so I'm a jerk magnet? <laughs> 
I just I I'm think glad that I'm make a, <laughs> I think that men make assumptions about women who are physically attractive. Okay. Hmm. You know what I mean? No, but I'll No. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's a, that's an interesting one because I I was just listening to a story today actually about a, a woman who was expressing being um, culturally perceived as unattractive in some ways, and that she encountered men who felt they could take advantage of her and do anything because they oh, saw her yeah, as worthless yeah. or easy or. Something. Yeah, I mean, it was really some terrible, some yeah, terrible it's, stories. It's, that yeah, really the theory fit. is, oh, if no man wants you, then I can have you because I want you. Yeah. yeah. So that's you, a you're weird. Lucky I'm paying attention to you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or or weirder. Yeah. So I don't know, but I can I hear that um, that bias, and I can understand how that happens because when you have an ex- you have experiences that lead you to. Um, see see us pattern over and over again you know um i think that's what leads to bias and which is in part is healthy um taking care of oneself and then it's also bleeds into maybe not always being fair i think that's maybe what bias is in a way yeah it's probably it's probably not fair but it's it's a survival tactic Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's it's like i'll give you an example of my cat i am the one who cuts her nails I'm the one who takes her to the vet. I'm the one that does all of the the things you need to do to cats to keep them healthy, but the cats don't like. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't get, she doesn't, she doesn't, if she can see two of my hands, I can't touch her. If, if she can see one hand, she'll let me pet her a little bit. If I'm on the toilet, she'll let me pet her because she knows, oh, she can't do any of these things to me. <laughs> so. <laughs> so that's the secret. Yeah. And, <laughs> So she learned, she learned to be wary of me because Mm. I do the things that she's not like happy about me doing to her. So Mm -hmm. I hate because I like this cat and she doesn't let me get her anymore. (laughs) So she's, she's biased against you. Yes, she's totally biased against me. So I've been thinking about bias from a couple different perspectives and one of them is the things that I really like and prefer to have in my life. And sometimes that's tricky because I think we're in a culture now where saying what you like can somehow make people feel like you're saying something negative about people who are different than that or, or, or experiences that are different from that. Really? Sometimes, yeah. That makes me sad. It's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting place. I mean, like, for example, I love queer people. Okay. I prefer bi men. Like, I just, I really love to date and be around bi men. You know, <laughs> I love queer women. I love people of all, of, of fluid genders and people who are be- in between the lines in a lot of ways, you know. And um there are some people who get very upset when they hear, like there is a stereotype, there's some very negative stereotypes against bisexuals, definitely, which I really dislike, you know. Um, but I don't really get that upset if I hear a lesbian saying, like, I really don't date bi women. 
And if, you know, now they might have bad reasons for it. They might think, oh, well, you're going to cheat on me with a man or you're going to bring me a disease or some things that are just not true that are bullshit, you know. But barring those things, if it's just I feel resonance with women who love women, I'm I'm okay with that because I'm similar. I really like being with bi and queer people. And um, so... I, you know, I think I think it's natural to have preferences and um, things like that. So I'm trying to get better at, at acknowledging to myself the things that I like and want to bring into my life that are that are biases because I think by by nature they are actually. Okay, I I like science fiction and I don't like horror <laughs> and. I guess, and that informs... Well, that's different because it's not about identity. I think people get... It's it's more challenging when you're recognizing that you want to be in certain cultural experiences more okay. than others. Well, those yeah. are actually cultural experiences. Well, they are. They become, yeah, they've become their own cultures, I guess. Well, they've always yeah. been. It's just that they haven't been a wide culture. It was a very small subculture for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, since I'm in a, a committed monogamous relationship, um, I haven't looked at biases of people who I would consider dating kind of thing, because that's not on my, on my menu of activities anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would, I prefer to hang around with people who, are um, intelligent and like to have intelligent conversations and well, that's <laughs> I, a know, preference it, that's a yeah. preference well, as a, opposed to a bias is it i is think it? okay yeah, i think so. well i think they're, i think they're uh, i don't know if that they're different are they i that's don't know i mean well but bias has a negative connotation to it doesn't it Yes. Right, and so to be devil's advocate and i and i i feel the same as what you just said wendy uh-huh. actually but I think the bias in that is that we are in a particular culture that assumes a certain type of education. And so what we experience as intelligent has um, has a bias based on the culture we're in, we're in the middle of and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the society's bits of the parts of society that we where we dwell. Oh, let me jump in right now, though, because there was a little bit of a glitch and we lost Robin for a second. Are you back, Robin? I'm here. <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So we were just talking about intelligence and how we see that, you know, and I'm this is one of the things where I feel who you are and how you've sort of developed your interests and and desires and expectations and all those things are you certainly can um you can you can open your mind to other types other types of intelligence and all the other ways of seeing or maybe or maybe choosing different words to describe those things or something like that and at the same time i think we develop um ways of resonating with people around those types of things and maybe it could have to do it may have to do with economics and who's gone to which schools and what you know and what you've come to expect um and at the 
same time, I think it's okay to, to like, to like who you're drawn to and maybe have an awareness of all those issues at the same time of, of allowing yourself to like who you like. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And, uh, I, I, uh, teach a communications course. And one of the things that I talk about with my students is bias and, or, or is the idea that you're getting information all the time from visual and audio and, and all you, the world is just packing you with information. And the only way that your brain can deal with it is to process it according to uh, your experience and what you've done before. So without even realizing it, you start basing your judgment of new people that you meet based on how much are they like people you met before. And, uh, a, but if you have an awareness that th this is something you do, you can keep your mind more open. Uh, and and then then it's it's not a bad thing to to you know use experience as as a guideline, but but then to still keep your mind open. But if you if you were just closing down and just saying, oh, this one's just like the other one, then uh, then it's a bias. Mm. Yeah, and that's not that's not so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, and, and the thing, too, I guess what I'm trying to say is it depends upon what is that bias based on? Is it based on actual real experience or is it based on something somebody told you? Or um, I, I, I was thinking for myself that I'm pretty free of bias or I try to be anyway. And yet uh, over the years, people have asked me when we're talking about films or whatever, um, what, uh, that something was just like the scene in The Godfather. And, and, and I'd say, oh, I never saw The Godfather. And, and people are shocked and amazed. I, no, I've never seen any of The Godfather movies. And, then, and I'd say, well, why is that? And I'd just say, well, I don't like the romanticizing of the mafia because they're criminals. And, and I, I have this whole prepared speech of why I don't watch The Godfather movies. And I realized that as I was thinking about it, well, you know, other films have have villains being um, being romanticized, and and I never felt that way when I watched Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, yeah, they were they were shown bad. They they were bad, I and mean, we were aware of that, that they were bad. They were bank robbers. But but um, I thought, well, if it isn't the crime, what is it that I don't like? And as I was thinking about it and pressing myself about it, I thought. Well, they're just so Italian. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, wait a second. I don't have anything about Italians, do I? Wait a I mean, I sing opera and I like Italian food. What, why, why don't I like Italian? <laughs> it's because you're Irish Catholic and those yeah. two groups were at each other's throats it, well, yeah, that's it. Uh, during it, the immigrant it's, times, it's and, that and I, it, where I grew up, where I grew up, it was a real ghetto, a real Catholic ghetto, and you and we all went to the same church, and you were either Irish or Italian, and it, the two did not get along well. No, I I have uh, stories from friends who went to Catholic school in uh, in South Philadelphia, and they were Irish Catholic, and they did not have a good time at school. <laughs> they were Irish or they were Italian. They were Irish in the Italian neighborhood, so oh, it was yeah. it was rough for them. It, it's um, really like gang war. It really was kind yeah. of like gang war, and and 
And, I, it, and it really was not based on anything other than I was eight years old and um, my big brother was saying, oh, you don't want to play with them. They're Italian. Oh, okay. Wow. There must be something wrong with Italians. So that that's a bias that's not based on anything real, you know. So, so that's a bad one. So mm -hmm. now I'm aware of that, and I'm gonna go walk, go watch all the Godfather movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I just don't like violence, so that's why I don't watch them. But I, I have seen at least the one, the first one, you know. Well, I had another uh, awakening too about this whole thing. And it has to do with being Irish too. Um, that my my mother and I back in the '90s. So this is the early '90s. Um, I went with my mother, who was elderly, and her sister, who was even elderlier. -er, and um, uh, we went on a tour of England, Ireland, uh, Scotland, and Wales. Uh, all in 16 days. It was just this bus tour where you, old ladies sit on a bus and, and go from town to town to tourist spots. And well, I noticed that my mother was doing the same thing I was, was that we were counting as they went past, we were counting how many black people we saw because there were so few at that time. And as a matter of fact, at one point I said to our guide, I said, you don't have a lot of black people living in the, this country. And, and uh, she said, and she was Irish, and she said, well, the, um, the English did not have that many slaves at that time, so because they had the Irish, so they didn't really need to bring over the slaves from Africa. And I thought that mm. was, whoa, that, that was a telling thing that she said. Mm. But, um, but the, though the thing is, yeah, um, at one point, we were in Dublin, and my my aunt and my mom were going to go some, do some touristy thing. But I wanted to go see theater because that's what I'm into is theater. And there's the um, Doily Cart Theater. Uh, no, no, the um, Abbey Theater, the Abbey Theater. And uh, I wanted to go see something, so I asked the maitre d. I mean, not maitre, concierge. Um, for directions how to get to the Abbey Theatre because I, I figured I was going to walk through Dublin to get to it and he got very upset and he said oh no you shouldn't do that you shouldn't walk and I said well, why not it's not that far I can see on the map it's not that far and he's saying oh no uh, this is a city and, and there's bad people out there and, and it's dangerous to, for a young woman to be walking I wasn't that young uh, um, walking alone in the city and I'm thinking are you kidding me? I walk through New York all the time. I mean, for 40 years I've been walking through New York, and I know not to how to look like a victim, you know, or, or a target. And um, and I thought, ah, I'm going to walk. But then he, what he said just kind of scared me, and I thought, well, yeah, I know about New York, and I know where the bad neighborhoods are in New York. I never would walk like in Alphabet City in New York, but... What is it about this, though? I may not know where the the uh, bad neighborhoods are, uh, or the idea that I, when I'm in New York, I avoid neighborhoods, or I try to where I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb because I'm this white person walking through um, a lot of darker people, and and there's a certain amount of fear involved there. 
And then I was thinking, uh-oh, well, wait a second. I'm not in New York. I'm in Dublin. And everybody here looks the same as me. So I can't, like, use my biases to peg, well, these are people that are the other. And these are the people that are okay, that I'll feel safe with. It got very scary. And I realized that that it, it wasn't necessarily to what people look like. It was, uh, are these people that are poor or uh, that would want to steal from me, um, take my bag, I don't know. It, it just, it, it really kind of uh, blew my mind, the idea that uh, I can be scared of people who look just like me. Does that, mm-hmm. that sound weird, that rambling? <laughs> I'm well, sorry. it sounds like it sounds like I mean race and uh, race could be a stand-in for what's uh, foreign or scary or, or or you know race can be a stand-in for assuming poverty too. You know, there's a lot yeah. of things yeah. that you said in there that was that does indicate that you've had all those those scripts running in your mind. I guess you know. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And then you didn't have the context to how it would normally be understood. And, and it sort of made you look at it, I guess. Mm. You know. Well, since that time, I've been to Harlem many times. So, I, well, uh, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the more that you, you go into areas that are not what you've been told are okay or, or, or just have different experiences, you can start to modify those things. I mean, I, I think... A lot of people, I think we're, um, we all live in the same, you know, soup of racism and all of the isms that we kind of grow up with. And I think all of us have a lot of those things in, that are inside, even if we don't really recognize them consciously, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but I think I do have a different um, definition of bias in a way like I don't think that the word bias necessarily means uh, it doesn't mean bias is only the bad part of your assumptions I think we we have biases all around us in everything that we do and everything that we think so because we're just because of the the nature of yeah well you're taking you're taking bias as a neutral connotation word mm-hmm. Or something that, I mean, I think it can be negative, but I think it's the idea of trying to be aware of the the influences that you're operating through and with. Like, for example, I think our show has a white cultural bias overall. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, just because, I I mean, I'm, I'm a person of color and at the same time, I'm incredibly comfortable in white spaces that I don't think I always necessarily notice when other people of color would be uncomfortable or would feel that something was missing. And that's something that I struggle with sometimes a lot, but I'm, but I'm aware of it. Like, for example, like having a limerick contest is kind of a way thing to do, you know? And it's not, it's not bad. Is it? It's not bad. I mean, it occurred to me. Limerick is in Ireland. Okay. What's that? Limerick is in Ireland. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I did have an experience of being in, being like the only black person in Dublin in the, about 1990. So we could, mm-hmm. we have, we probably have interesting stories to share about that. But <laughs> um, no, but yeah, and the things, right. And, and I think it's 
takes, I mean, I think it's fine. As I said, I think it's fine to be who you are and where you come from. And I also think it's important to try to expand and notice where your limitations or your blind spots might be around things. And I've, I have some that I'm working on personally, but, yeah. you know, but like for our show, I yeah. mean, I, I, I love to uh, um, interview people and I'm looking forward to doing more of that and talking to people who I know and who do the things that I am familiar with. And I also want to um, think more about going outside of my own, the spaces I'm usually in and meeting people who are doing different things and from different cultures and things like that and um, without tokenizing people, without going like, oh, we haven't had an Asian person yet. Let's go recruit an Asian person for our show. You know, that's that's <laughs> not the point. But I think um, just being aware of who we are and seeing, finding ways that we can expand organically. And that's, I would love for that to happen. I'm Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrenee.com. You can find my music on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. Uh, if you want to look me up on Facebook, I'm there at facebook.com slash robinreneefan. Uh, Twitter is at spiritrocksexy. You can follow me on Instagram at robinreneemusic. And I will be performing at Canal Fest, the Delaware and Raritan Canal Festival, on October 13th. And the festival is at 1 Market Street in Somerset, New Jersey. There's going to be music all day long from 11 a.m. till 5. And I will be on the Sunrise solo stage at around 2 o'clock. So check my website for more details. And you can search for this event and RSVP on Facebook. And there's lots more information there. Hope to see you. The Leftscape is sponsored by Harlequin and Other Fantasies, a meditative coloring book for grown-ups. Over 30 original illustrations to color, printed on 80-pound cover stock paper to avoid bleed-through with alcohol-based markers like Sharpies. Spiral-bound to lay flat when open. Printed on one side so you can frame your masterpiece without sacrificing another drawing. Subjects include animals, people, mandalas, steampunk, Celtic knotwork, and so much more. Use Leftscape at checkout to get free shipping. See the Leftscape website for details. Purchase Harlequin and other fantasies from wendycards.com. So today on Why Is This Awesome, I am going to talk about Devo's first full-length album. Question, are we not men? Answer, we are Devo. (laughs) And for people who know me, this is kind of a no-brainer. I think um, they're like, oh boy, all roads lead to Devo for Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know. It was just something that I wanted to think about why I love it so much. Um, I First of all, the album just reached its 40th anniversary. It came out in August of 1978. And the the idea that that was that long ago is really pretty bizarre. No, that's... starts to freak me out when I when when stuff like that you know that I think of really is like oh that's just you know like maybe 10 years ago or something like that when it's like suddenly 40 50 years ago 
uh, <laughs> that's when it's like, holy shit, when did I turn into this ancient thing? So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But no, but it's, the, the thing about it, I think overall, is that, well, first of all, just a little bit about it. It was um, produced by Brian Eno and David Bowie also had a hand in it, sort of as an additional producer. Um, there were several people who really wanted to work with this band because I just got the, the buzz that this was something really new happening. And so Eno and Bowie and I think Iggy Pop also had an interest in them. So it was, you know, just a lot of, a lot swirling around them with a lot of talent um, all around. And they, so there were several different sort of versions of the band. They, in, they started actually really in 1970 at, at Kent State and they witnessed or Jerry Casali of Devo actually lost a friend in that massacre. And that's really part of what started their idea about de-evolution and like things are going backwards and, you know, we need to, we need to devolve and then start again because like we've fucked it up so far, basically. Mm. So it really comes out of um, this kind of, they were both, well, they all had sort of an art school mentality and also the political stuff that was happening and that sort of created their, their energy and their ideology and their the sort of culture that Devo created around their own, um, you know, uh, image. So when this album, when they got to this album, they had gotten their main um, personnel who really is to me like the core of the band and their drummer. They had a couple different drummers, but um, Alan Myers was on drums. They had Mark Mothersbaugh and Bob one, Mother's Ba, and Jerry Casali, and Bob two, Bob Casali. So that was like the five of them, and I think they were like quintessential, just unit that became Devo. And this record, it's like it dropped from another planet, and it still sounds like that to me. You know, I mean, I can hear certain things that sound like, okay, the production didn't happen recently sometimes, but the, the songs itself and the selves are like really from another world and they still sound like really fresh and amazing like that to me. Well, what are some of the songs on the album that someone who is not a devotional would know possibly? Uh, if you're not a devotee, you would know, um, well, they did a cover of Satisfaction. Mm. Oh, okay. I remember that. Yeah. And <laughs> see, see, I caught up to Devo a little bit late because I remember uh, my best friend at the time saying, you got to hear this song. It's called Whip It. It's so weird. It's so cool. <laughs> and that was, that's on their third album. And okay. so when I heard that on the radio, finally, I was like, oh, my God, this band's great. And I started listening to them from there. And well, they did Satisfaction on Saturday Night Live. That's what that's I remember. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that was, that was um, like a big sort of cultural shock in a way. People were like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, that's oh. kind of, yeah. <laughs> right. So I didn't, I had to catch up to that. I was a little bit late. And I then I... And I remember asking for this album for Christmas, and I got it, and I started playing it, and my aunt had given it to me. And I remember the look on her face, and she was like kind of horrified, and she was like, that's what I gave you? <laughs> and, and I was a little bit um, startled by the music on this, because they're, by the time they got to whip it, they'd kind of, they got a little more electronic, and it was smoothed out in a way. Um, this album is is grittier, it's it's, it's just more unusual. It's closer to punk rock in a way, uh, uh, more guitar-y. Um, Do you think that was uh, Eno's influence or Bowie? 
on that or was that just the way they were when they started and then they kind of refined it into the more electronic stuff that they did later uh, i think it's it's if anything the producers um ironed them out a little bit from where they were because they were very just bizarro discordant in in their earliest days you know so okay so, so have you heard like their pre pre-signing like demo oh, yeah. uh -huh. stuff okay yeah and it's a lot rougher and a lot weirder in some cases <laughs> and, you know so it definitely it's it's you can hear the progression all the way through but um yeah the, so the cover satisfaction which just is sort of a deconstruction of the song which is really awesome um the song jaco homo which is the, the song that has are we not men we are devo is this call and response kind of thing mm -hmm. um you probably would have heard that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's funny because I remember being at a show and and chanting that back and forth and getting all into it, like in recent years, like in the last 10 or 12 years or so, and realizing like, oh, this is like Kirtan. <laughs> and I really, like really resonate with that call and response chanting uh, tradition. And I've made a couple of albums based on that. But there's that energy of the call and response and the devotion to the band, which is weirdly similar to being um, kind of like a religious experience in, in that other context. And I was like, oh, so maybe that's why I'm drawn to Kirtan in a way, at least in part, because it has that sort of focus and and um, get it. I don't know. It was, it was a weird sort of analogy that happened in my mind at the same time. <laughs> Like I can see why you why you get into certain things like as a progression in various ways you don't you're not even aware of you know but that's a great song Mongoloid is a great song that was actually the first single from the album which is I guess not politically correct considering uh, it's not called Down Syndrome but <laughs> um, you know that's there but it's just um, I don't know I could talk about every song but it's 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 an experience unto itself actually this album and um, I. I just I don't know I recommend it as a weird experience if you're used to more mainstream music and it's just um, I don't know it's a classic you've been listening to the leftscape podcast find us online at leftscape.com on twitter at leftscape and on facebook at leftscape the leftscape the shape of progressive conversation New episodes every Wednesday.